You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation, and welcome to your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every game, news item, rumor, and more. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is David Ramil. After establishing and holding leads for the past four home games, the Heat found themselves in an early deficit against the Cleveland Cavaliers when the score was 4-2. to two. Miami would go on a big run after that. They would push the lead eventually to 30, and despite some sloppy play in the second half, had more than enough left to hold on for a 124-100 blowout over Cleveland, pushing their record at the America Airlines Arena to 6-0 and 10-3 overall. That's the third best record in the Eastern Conference and just behind Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks in the standings. Seven players scored in double digits for Miami. They shot extremely well on the night. They shot 53%, just under 53% from the field, and 52% from three-point range, 19 of 37 attempts overall. And nobody scored better or shot better than Duncan Robinson, the story of the game. He finished with 29 points on 9 of 15 shooting, and all 15 field goal attempts coming from three-point range. He hit nine of those. And just one shy of tying the Heat record for most three-pointers in a game 10, currently held by Mario Chalmers. Uh, fantastic game for Duncan. He looked really energized. Something that we haven't seen from him before. He, he just looked extremely confident. Had a, a little swagger going, as I tweeted, during the game. And he, you could just tell that he, he looked like he was very confident. At one point, he let it fly from about 28, 29 feet. It looked extremely impressive. And he just turned around and, and he knew he had it dialed up. And that's the kind of game that we weren't expecting from Duncan at any point. After the kind of season he had last year where he was coming off the bench, if he was even in the roster at all, obviously traveling in between Sioux Falls uh, and the, the Heat G League affiliate in Miami, he wasn't really much of a factor. Uh, he wasn't playing much, but he's come back this season extremely energized. He looks like he's in great shape, obviously, and he just continues to produce at a high level. He's the perfect complementary player for this lineup. He doesn't need the ball in his hands much. He curls around screens very effectively. Miami is more than willing to set those screens for him. They pass the ball to him. They look for him to get those shots going. And in a night like tonight when that shot was falling, he looked extremely dangerous and just, again, a perfect complementary player. Uh, you can't say much about uh, his performance of the night other than it was extremely fantastic. Jimmy Butler, however, did struggle from the field. He was just 3 of 16 from the floor, 2 of 4 from three-point range. However, he was a perfect 13 of 13 from the free-throw line, so he did finish with 21 overall points. He also, of course, contributed five rebounds as well as five assists, two steals, and four blocks, the most for him in a Heat uniform. So a fantastic night defensively from him. He just continues to impress as both a playmaker and defensive specialist. He just is so good at anticipating passing lanes. He's always active, always throwing hands up, knows exactly when uh, to move his feet when he's on a one-on-one defensive possession. He just looked really good. As far as the shooting is concerned, it was a little concerning. Uh, You would have wanted Jimmy to have a, a bigger game, maybe that... Would have led to an easier game or a bigger blowout for Miami. But overall, a fantastic performance from him. And still able to contribute. Still able to get to the line. 3 of 16. I don't think we'll see a lot of nights like that from him in the future. And some of those were easy shots. He was, however, you know, trying to take a lot of perimeter shots. It seemed like even despite the just the fact that he just shot four attempts from behind the line, he was also you know looking to take a lot of off-balance, deep mid-range shots. 
which is really his specialty, but uh, it was under duress, late in shot clock situations. He just didn't seem to have it dialed up offensively. Uh, he, he didn't seem like he was as energized as he has been, at least on the offensive end. Still, again, a 21-point night. To say that our best player could have a, a bad night and still be as productive as he is and finish with a plus 28 as far as his plus-minus rating is concerned is pretty good. So, fantastic night for Jimmy. Tyler Hero also had a really good night. Uh, he finished with 22 points on 9 of 13 shooting. He just continues to do a lot in, in very little time. He played 31 minutes, though. Um, and, and he was just very active, uh, always shooting the ball well, of course. Uh, four of seven from three-point range. Didn't take a free throw. A little surprising. But he continues to impress with his shooting. This team is so good at spacing the floor, and you have so many quality shooters. And Tyler is just another one. When you have a night like Duncan did where he's commanding so much respect from defenses, that just opens up everything for everybody. But Tyler, of course, doesn't need much space to let go of a shot, and he looked like he was really, really, you know, had it dialed up. Uh, just fantastic performance for him. Goran Dragic, after missing the last couple games due to illness and well, looking out of sorts because of illness, he had a solid return to the lineup. 26 minutes overall, 6 of 13 from the floor, finished with 13 points, also chipped in 6 assists. So a good solid game for Goran and, and shows how deep and versatile Miami can be. They go to a number of different players there who can produce at a high level. Uh, the Heat didn't convert as many assists as we've seen, so it wasn't their typical win. Um, they only had 25 assists on 41 main field goals. That's still pretty good, but they didn't seem as they were swinging the ball. They had some special moments there. There was one play in particular. I can't remember the specifics. While all, I think it was in the third quarter, but they were passing the ball. It might have been in the fourth. They just Everybody on the, on the team touched the ball. They swung it, swung it, swung it, and it looked fantastic. Really, really nice effort from them, but you know, not as... Much cutting and off-ball movement as we've seen from them during the early parts of the season. Still enough uh, to, to finish with a pretty high assist mark. 25 on 41 made field goals is pretty good. And Miami continues to be one of the top assisting teams in the league. And uh, that was no different against the Cleveland Cavaliers, although they could have probably done it a little bit better. They were attacking the basket a lot. Uh, Cleveland is an undersized team. Not only do they have an undersized backcourt as they start uh, Darius Garland, the rookie, along with Colin Sexton, both of whom are 6'1". Uh, or six feet, maybe, in Garland's case. Either way, pretty small. And as far as their front court is concerned, they were without Tristan Thompson, and they started Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr., neither of whom is a solid rim protector, and so they were able to attack the paint early on. Uh, I didn't even mention Bam Adebayo, who had the first eight Miami Heat points. He looked incredible. Uh, very, very, very solid performance from him overall. Finished uh, with 13 points, five of five shooting, so he was perfect in the field. Just three of six from the free throw line. But still managed to chip in, as he always does, with seven rebounds, along with three assists and four steals. So that's a statistic I'll get to later on in the next couple of segments. Uh, but Miami uh, looked really, really solid overall, particularly offensively. And they did just enough defensively to hold Cleveland, which isn't a very powerful team. They're not a potent team offensively. But Miami's defense was really turned up pretty high, and, and they were able to keep Cleveland from shooting particularly well. Just 42.5% overall and 31% from three-point range. So not as good as they've been in the past, but still solid overall effort. You do have to give them credit. The Cavaliers did shoot 87.5% from the free throw line, converted 14 of 16 attempts. But Miami uh, did take 31 overall free throw attempts, so that was pretty good. Managed to just make 74% of those, 23 overall. So not a bad night for them. And and more importantly, they got the win. 
They continue to show that they're able to beat bad teams. This is the second time they faced the Cavaliers in a week. The first time they did so in Cleveland. This time they hosted them in Miami. And it was a similar performance where they got out to a big lead. But in that performance against the Cavaliers in Cleveland, Miami kind of let the Cavs slip into it a little bit, cut that lead to single digits. And they did not do that in, in, Miami's, in, in Miami on Wednesday night. The Cavaliers did cut the lead to 16 at one point, but uh, Miami was able to pull away, got back into the 20s, and then eventually held on for a pretty comfortable win there. Uh, Udonis Haslam got some minutes over James Johnson, so that's another noteworthy thing here. Uh, he did play a total of six minutes, uh, you know, not very impactful, three or four from the line, so he finished with three overall points, also had a rebound. He drew a charge uh, and an offensive foul, and he also... Uh, you know, committed uh, a foul there, had a turnover. So, you know, not much you can expect from Udonis at this point. But I think it's more telling that James Johnson didn't get the call from Eric Spolstra. And I'm not quite sure what that is, although we'll get that question answered later on in the next segment. But again, a pretty solid win for Miami, improving to 10-3 and overall. And I think we have to consider that this is a very, very good team because of their ability to beat up on these bad teams. Now, their turnovers are a problem, something I'll address in the next segment and how Miami's able to fix it. I'll answer that and more. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. Listening on the go? If you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from the Locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. I'll be answering the questions you all sent in using the hashtag AskLOHeat in this segment. So let's start with this one from Faris Hakeem, who writes, Miami is doing something that teams in the past few years cannot do, which is beat up on bad teams consistently to secure Ws. The turnovers will be a problem against better teams. What is something you see that the team could do to limit those turnovers? So to Ferris's earlier point, yes, they are doing what other teams in the past haven't done. As I mentioned before, I think part of the reason for that is the fact that, one, they have a superstar in Jimmy Butler who can continue to make a positive impact either defensively or at the free throw line, even if his shot isn't falling. He's not like any other player that we've had in the last couple of seasons. When Dwayne was at his peak, that's the closest comparison we've had. Obviously, when LeBron was here, that was a completely different animal. But either way... Over the last three or four seasons in between the LeBron era and now, Miami didn't have an established go-to superstar who could consistently get to the line as frequently as, as Jimmy does. Uh, and they're able to pull away these wins because of the fact that their offense is so pass-heavy. However, because they're so pass-heavy, it leads to the second point of Ferris's uh, question, which is the turnovers. Continues to be a problem. Miami is leading the league in turnovers overall, and they didn't prove that, that they could avoid those on Wednesday night. Kendrick Nunn started off a little shaky, even though he wound up having 11 overall points. He also had five turnovers. Four of those turnovers came within the first few minutes of the first quarter, and he looked like he was trying to force things a little bit. And I think that's the nature of this team and why they're forcing as many turnovers as they are is because they make the right pass. They try to get everybody engaged. Even the superstar on this team, Jimmy, 
is a little passive when it comes to his scoring because he's trying to get everybody else on this roster engaged. And you have so many ball handlers, so many guys who can drive, make plays for others. And with that, you're going to get a number of passes, and that leads to turnovers. I don't think there's anything that they can do to limit those. I think you can tighten things up. Um, this is still a fairly new roster as far as that's concerned. I mean, they're still trying to figure out the spacing on the floor. They're trying to figure out where everybody likes the ball in their hands. In Kendrick's case, especially in those first early turnovers, he just kept tossing the ball just ahead of another player. Uh, he was trying to make the right pass, but it, it sailed a little bit wide on many occasions, and, and that led to those four turnovers early on. And I think you see that uh, frequently from others. You see that from Goron. You see that from Jimmy. You see that from Bam on occasion. They're trying to make the right pass, and, and they're trying to get everybody engaged. They're trying to share the ball as much as possible. And we'll spin it this way. I think it's a, a good sign that they're as unselfish as they are. You talk to these players individually. You talk to them. You hear them in the winner's circle after the game, and they all talk about how unselfish they are. For, for a guy like Duncan Robinson, who was the player of the game, um, you know, he was talking about how unselfish they were, that they were all looking to to get him going, to to find him and, and get him opportunities to score as much as possible. And he was just able to convert those. And so I think unlike other teams um, around the league and, and in the past heat history, this is just an unselfish group and they're looking to try and get everybody going. I think the expectations for this team were probably a little low and they're exceeding those and just they're kind of playing freestyle, playing a little bit loosely and and it's working to be honest with you. So uh, I also agree with Ferris's point that against better teams, it's going to be a problem. So you'd like them to be able to recognize that kind of situation against Denver and Los Angeles Lakers, the two blowout losses as far as Miami's uh, season is concerned. They looked a little sloppy. The shot wasn't falling, and they were still trying to force those passes, and it led to a lot of turnovers. But without the offenses, the offense and the the scoring output to offshoot it, offset it rather, uh, it just it led to blowout losses on in both occasions. And so, um, when they face better teams, they're going to have to figure out how to try to consistently get that offense going while still making that extra pass, and then maybe be a little bit more aggressive, particularly Jimmy. Um, I think he, he needs to be able to, to recognize a little bit more when he should be aggressive and try to get his shot going. If his shot isn't falling like it was on Wednesday night, then maybe he can slip back into playmaker mode. Uh, but so many other guys on this roster are, are not necessarily going to go get the bucket. You know, I think Tyler Hero is going to shoot as often as he can. Kendrick Nunn clearly is going to be that way. But guys like Myers Leonard, um, you know, there was a moment there where I think Jimmy passed to him out on the perimeter. And Myers passed up an all wide open shot. Uh, you know, considering he's leading the league in three point percentage, it's probably a shot he should be taking. Instead, he dribbled in to the paint. I think he tried to dish it off to Bam or Jimmy back again, and then he wound up forcing a turnover there. And that's unfortunate because you know Myers can obviously hit that shot from the perimeter. So, uh, as far as Ferris's question is concerned, I, I don't know that there's anything they can do necessarily other than try to just tighten it a little bit, maybe be a little bit more aggressive. But that goes against what makes this team so successful and has led to these ten early season wins. So, uh, I don't see that problem changing. But as long as those assist numbers are there at a high level and their shots are falling, it shouldn't be a glaring problem moving forward. Rico Lopez asks, Duncan or none, which one goes to the bench when Justice returns? Or does Justice come off the bench and get eased back in? Well, we don't know. Um, if I had to guess right now, I'd say he probably gets brought off the bench. Not just because it is, as Rico mentioned, getting eased back in. 
but just because I'm not sure what his role is on this team moving forward. Uh, everything he can provide, his playmaking, his defense, things of that sort, they're doing enough defensively without him. He's a great individual one-on-one defender. He's also good at forcing turnovers and things of that sort. So you want somebody like that, um, especially when they have a big lead like they did tonight. Having him come off the bench would be a factor as far as him being able to to shut down opposing players and, and make things a little bit uncomfortable for opponents. But on this starting lineup, when you have guys like Duncan who can shoot from the perimeter, space the floor as well as he can, when you have Kendrick Nunn who is a, a bucket getter and aggressive and going for his shot, I'm not just I'm just not sure what Justice does. Uh, you know, he 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 doesn't he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much, so he's not going to have as many playmaking abilities, and he's not the cutter or off ball shooter that Duncan Robinson is, and so. I can't see Eric Spolster jeopardizing the success of this team just to get Justice more minutes. It's going to be difficult, a difficult transition for Justice because, as I've mentioned before, he told us on this podcast that he wanted to be more aggressive, that he was looking to make this year his breakout performance because last year, as good as it was, was not in something, in his view, his breakout season. And so uh, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a struggle for him, and he's probably not going to enjoy it. But as long as his team's winning, I wonder whether or not he'll have a major issue and whether or not he'll grumble about playing time. Uh, as I've mentioned before also, I, I think maybe it's time to consider trading him away because I'm just not sure where he fits on this team. It's great to have a versatile player like that. But even tonight, you saw James Johnson, who can do a lot of the same things as Justice can, be a versatile defender, make plays for others, and score. He didn't get any playing time. Udonis Haslam got his minutes instead. And, and so uh, I think Eric Spolstra is at a point where he just wants everybody to be more complementary of one another instead of these versatile, multi-tool players. And uh, if James isn't getting any playing time, then I'm not sure what playing time you can carve out for Justice. Although Justice is a better playmaker and a better individual defender, I think overall, um, he's still not a consistent knockdown shooter. And uh, if he's not uh, if he's not moving off ball, if he's not making those cuts that we've seen Duncan and others make so frequently then he's going to bog down this offense. He's going to slow it down. He's going to try to hold the ball. And we've seen him play at a slower pace. He's more methodical as a point guard. He tries to figure out seams there. He's not pushing the team in transition necessarily. And that could be a problem. Now, I'll clarify. I don't want Justice traded. I still think there's value to him, his contract, his his multi-skills. Uh, you know, he's, he's a good player. And I think he, there is a ceiling for him that he has not reached yet. I'm just not sure if he's going to get that opportunity with his team playing as well as it is. And although he's under contract, uh, maybe it's time to consider moving him for somebody else, uh, whether it's a, a bigger name player or a potential draft pick, um, something that frees up a little salary cap space. Either way, uh, Miami has options, and, and that's a good place to be. And these are, as Eric Spolstra likes to say, good problems to have. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he's eased in. And this doubleheader coming up on Friday and Saturday should be a good example of, of how Justice is utilized, either starting or coming off the bench, if he winds up playing in either occasion. Carl Headley asks, Do you think it's a bit concerning that Spo had to bring in Jimmy Butler back in the game midway through the fourth quarter after we built a sizable enough lead? Not really. I think uh, Jimmy probably would have been happy coming in. I, I think... He stabilizes things a lot. Uh, it's a risk as far as injury is concerned. You'd want 
somebody off the bench maybe to be play of that role and maybe that's the role that justice is best for is is a guy who is similar to jimmy as far as his playing style is concerned the fact that he makes plays for others the fact that he's a good defender and you can bring him off the bench to be that that kind of versatile player and then you don't need to go to jimmy as much but you also needed jimmy to to create plays for others to get to the line to slow things down a little bit uh at his pace and to create fouls against an opponent and justice isn't that type of player so uh, it's good to have somebody like Butler, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's not necessarily a problem. He did wind up playing 32 minutes. It wasn't the most in this roster. Duncan actually played 34 minutes, and Tyler Hero played 31. So, you know, we're we're talking about uh, the most or second most minutes tonight, but not necessarily a concern either, because I, I think you want to be able to hold on to these leads. I asked Eric Spolstra over the weekend when I was covering the Pelicans game if he had concerns about. Miami's tendency to give up these these leads, and Spolstra didn't seem overly concerned. He did say uh, uh, that it was a good problem to have, and that it's just he needs his team to be a little bit more focused. A lot of the players said something similarly that they just kind of have mental lapses a little bit, and I think Jimmy certainly goes in there and tightens things up a, a little bit. So uh, it's good to have somebody like Jimmy available. I'm not too worried about it, and I'm not so sure that you should be either, Carl. But thank you for your question. Jay Jack asks. Are the Heat trying to package James Johnson and Dion in a trade, and that's why there's no or limited playing time? I imagine they would, and I, I that would certainly free things up a lot for this uh, roster and, and for their salary cap situation. But I don't know that you're going to get takers for one of these players, much less for both of them. Uh, if you look at what teams would want somebody like James or Dion, it's probably either a team that's struggling and would want somebody who's going to be a capable scorer like Dion, maybe somebody who can build on, around or be a complimentary scorer. He's still just 27. There's still potential there if he's you know, focused on, on being aggressive and a good scorer and a good team player and he'll get his opportunities. Uh, maybe that would make him happy. That might make whatever trade partner Miami could find for Dion happy, but they haven't found anybody yet. So you're looking at struggling teams who aren't going to get, want to give up a, a draft pick or anything like that. So it's about... Trading Dion for matching bad salary, and I'm not sure what that player is. I'm not sure what that deal is. As far as James is concerned, he's probably better uh, on a contender because of his versatile defense, and maybe a team like the Lakers could use him. Maybe uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the legitimate contending teams. Maybe the Bucks could use somebody like that just as a wing player, a front court player that can add some defense, who can be a versatile defender, a guy you can throw at other East contenders like Philadelphia and potentially Miami or Boston to have somebody like James come in and be able to guard guys like Al Horford or Joel Embiid or, and, or, or you know others around the Eastern Conference uh, might make a, a significant difference for a potential trade partner. But I just don't see that there's a lot of trade available. And as we've heard before on a number of occasions, Miami has been actively shopping both those guys for some time, particularly Dion and. Uh, the James Johnson situation is perplexing because he looks healthy. He actually looks really great shape. He looks lighter than he has been in a while, but he's just not getting the playing time. So I wonder if it's just a matter of Eric Spolstra kind of trying to break James a little bit, trying to get him to understand that there's a role for him that he needs to under, understand completely. And uh, it, that just hasn't happened yet. And, and so I, I'd be surprised that they traded away James Johnson because I just don't think there are many takers for him and because I still think that the franchise and front office has more faith in him 
than they do in Dion. And as far as Dion is concerned, I just don't know that there are any teams that would want somebody like that because I think his reputation has taken such a considerable hit that nobody would want to take a chance on somebody who's probably overpaid and is not necessarily as productive as you'd want him to be. I'll get into the stat and player of the game next. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA and MyBookie will match 50% of your first deposit. Listening on the go? If you can't visit MyBookie right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're in iTunes, please leave a rating and review, especially if it's a good one. The stat of the game, eight steals. Uh, Miami averages, or did average before entering the Cavaliers game, almost 10 steals per game, 9.9 to be exact, and they finished with just eight steals. But you have to admire the way that Miami plays defense. Even when they're turning the ball over, even if they give up points in the paint, which they did, they gave up more points to Cleveland than they did against uh, most other teams. Um, They don't have that rim protector the way they did in the past with Hassan Whiteside, even though he was obviously slipping as far as his rim protection is concerned. But they're still active around the perimeter. They force so many shots. Uh, They anticipate where the ball is being moved. And that just forces teams... Um, to, to, to adjust a little bit. And it throws off teams considerably, especially struggling teams like the Cavaliers. And so that's just a, an impressive statistic for Miami that they're able to, to force as many turnovers as they are. Everybody from Bam to Kendrick Nunn to Jimmy Butler, who leads the league in steals, doing such a phenomenal job of forcing turnovers, of, of anticipating those passing lanes and doing a great job there. So Miami's defense continues to be one of the best in the league. A lot of that because of the fact that they force turnovers, because they block shots as well. Even though they don't have a legitimate rim protector, they're all active hands. They're all you know, helping each other defensively. When they see somebody driving to the rim, somebody slides off there and, and, and you know provides some help defense. Fantastic defense. A lot of fun to watch. And the stealing is a big part of that. So uh, I think it's something worth noting that uh, Miami continues to be among the, the top teams in the league as far as forcing steals. Go to the game. I don't think you can have any other option than Duncan Robinson. And I just, I can't say enough about him, to be honest with you, because it's just, we don't, we did not see this coming. Um, You know, I've said it before in in context of Kendrick Nunn and the kind of performances he's had, we would not have anticipated Nunn to be this kind of player. He, He should not have been getting this kind of playing time if things had panned out the way a lot of us expected to do, where, you know, Dion was going to be getting a considerable amount of playing time. James Johnson was going to be getting some playing time and Kendrick Dunn would not have been playing. Neither would have, neither would Duncan Robinson have been, but it also shows that Miami has done a phenomenal job of getting young players that have something to prove and getting them to buy in, to establish themselves using the heat system to, to get the most out of those players. Um, and Duncan looked phenomenal against the Cavaliers. Obviously, his scoring, but he's just so good at doing a lot of other things too. He's improved as a defender. He's not a playmaker for others just yet. Uh, that's the next level for him to reach. But as a scorer, he's incredible. As a defender, he's improved, and that's, there's value there where we did not expect that to be the case uh, at any point this season, much less at this level. Um, 
the scapegoat of the game. Unfortunately, it has to be somebody. And my choice was Myers Leonard. Only because he went scoreless. Um, you know, not aggressive offensively. And that was particularly notable in that he did not take a single field goal attempt despite 18 minutes of play. He was able to chip in five rebounds. He did not have an assist or a steal. So none of that playmaking that we've seen from him uh, panned out against the Cavaliers. But one of the things that they brought out in the podcast, which I think I've discussed before in other episodes, is that he's still a factor. He did finish plus seven as far as his plus and minus rating is concerned. And he's just, he's he's helpful. He, he is a good locker room presence. He is vocal on defense, something the broadcast crew has talked about a lot. And that helps so much because everybody knows what's coming. And it leads to those steals. It leads to the anticipation and breaking up passes and, and things of that sort. Other clutch type plays. Um, that, that really benefit this team, not just defensively, obviously, but also offensively because it le- leads to fast break and transition points. So Myers is establishing himself as a f- positive factor, even if his stat line does not necessarily reflect incredibly productive minutes from him. So I'd like for him to be a little bit more aggressive. I think there's still uh, you know, the capacity for him to be a better scorer. We've seen him in, in the past, particularly with the Bla- Blazers and during the playoffs this past season, um, you know, when he was really good as a, an offensive go-to option. And I don't expect him to be putting up a lot of points for Miami, although he's had some good games here and there. But overall, he's a little passive, and, and I'd like for that to change, but still a positive. I just, I, I, you know, on a night like tonight when he goes scoreless and he didn't take a single field goal attempt, it's worth noting, and unfortunately, he is the, the the one player that probably did not have a good game. Chris Silva struggled a little bit, picked up a lot of tic-tac fouls, but he's just so active. Uh, it's hard to say he's not not a good player or not the, the, the worst player of the game because he's just doing everything, diving to the floor, forcing turnovers, pulling down rebounds in traffic. There was one particular time there where he pulled down a board despite being surrounded by all five Cavaliers players. That's incredible. Uh, it's hard. It's rare for any player to be able to do that, but he uses his length and athleticism so perfectly. Um, you know, he's still raw offensively, but he gives such great effort, and that's something that uh, you know for this team, it's all about complementing one another. You have your star now in Jimmy. You have a guy in Bam who's so good at so many little things that you can rely on him to make plays for others, to, to get his points when necessary, to pull down a number of rebounds, to play incredible defense. And so many other guys are just complimentary in such great ways. You have Kendrick, who's a go-to scorer. You have Duncan, who's an off-ball cutter and shooter. All these guys capable of spacing the floor, playing defense at a high level, either one-on-one or team perimeter defense. They're very, very good at that. And so you have all these guys who contribute uh, in a number of ways. Udonis, you know, he was, could have gotten some votes as far as a scapegoat of the game is concerned just because he's a little older and doesn't necessarily move as well. But anytime you see him on the floor, is fun. And hopefully we'll continue to see positive minutes from him in the future. Uh, the Heat are off until Friday when they have their first meeting of the season against the Chicago Bulls. I'll, of course, be recapping that game. I'll probably be recording another episode on Thursday, probably a mailbag episode. So check back here on Friday after my recap and, of course, for Thursday's mailbag. But for now, that's it. You can connect with me on Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat or email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. I'm David Romel signing off and thanking you, as always, for your support. Yeah! Um.